You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You're listening to What Won't We Say? We believe that we are better in community and that all people want to be known. That true authenticity can only be reached through honesty and vulnerability. This is a judgment-free zone and a shame-free space where individuality is encouraged and celebrated. We are your hosts, Sonia Mastic and Jen Kinney. All right, we're welcoming to the show tonight Miss Julie Funky. Hello. And Julie Hello. Is, is an accountant, consultant, and trainer. So accountant makes sense. Consultant <laughs> makes sense. Do you train people on how to do their taxes, uh, how to run their business? What? Uh, I train um, progressive nonprofits how to read financial statements, how to tr- how to plan their budgets, how to plan for reserves, think about their finances, uh, sustainability or in a sustainable way, mm-hmm. and uh, and so yeah, so I travel around the country and do trainings, and Ooh. it's a lot of fun. Do you, do you make them do jumping jacks while they're learning these things? You know, sometimes I do make them uh, listen to Donna Summer. She works hard for the money, <laughs> and we dance. Uh, and my business partner and I. I hand out uh, my company is named Fun with Financials, and we hand out temporary tattoos um, when people answer questions. And you would not believe like how people <laughs> will amazing. lose it to get a temporary tattoo from us. Uh, so yeah, we bring it. We bring it. We're so. all five on the inside. That's why. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's really the truth. Like, yeah. I, I think it's why men never outgrow the bin at like Ace Hardware with with like free or discounted stuff. Absolutely. Like my husband will peruse. He's like, I think I need this giant crescent wrench for twelve dollars, but it's it's eighty percent off. I'm like, oh my god. Must bring it home. <laughs> yes, yes. So it must be. Must it, bring it home. It must be that we're all we're all like the oh, little yeah. kid. You know? And in, in trainings, people will put them on their hands, put them on their arms. I've had people try to make a sleeve out of their tattoos. They're <laughs> fun like with business. financial at tattoos. So, you know, we bring it. We definitely bring the fun to our financial trainings. When you when you created them, did you have any idea how much people would freak out over it? We did not, actually. And it was funny. My business partner, she is the one that came up with the idea and ordered them. And um, she bought them in a lot of 10,000. You're like, <laughs> so you're like, somebody better like these. So we're still handing out the same lot, um, but people, nineteen years later, yeah, but people are like lose their minds for them. So, do you want to give a shout out to your partner since you keep sure. saying she? Yeah, my partner Carol Cantwell in San Francisco. She Ooh, is um, my big sis from another mother and my business partner. So she'll listen to this. So hi, Carol. That's hi, awesome. Carol. So let me ask you a question because I've met people who work in finance, mm-hmm. but I've never heard of something as specialized as what you're doing. So what influenced you or how did you come into this? Tell us a little of your backstory. Sure. So I kind of came into the accounting world in a very traditional way. Um, I got my master's and did my CPA. I worked at a big uh, for accounting firm right out of school. So did sort of the traditional accounting path, but I never really felt like I fit in. Um, everyone mm. was very nice and I had great experiences working, but it just wasn't a place that, I mean, I'd be working, uh, you know, doing audits and doing kind of like traditional accounting work. And I'd be like volunteering for Planned Parenthood on the weekends, canvassing for Sierra Club on the weekends, you know, and it wasn't something that my coworkers were doing. Um, they were, you know, supporting different candidates or getting married and having babies, which is totally fine. But so that was dumb. just <laughs> that was just <laughs> there. That's just where where they were going, and that's not where I was in my life at that point. Um, and so I always knew I wanted to get into nonprofit um, and sp- 
specifically, I really wanted to work in the progressive movement uh, because that is where my politics lie. And I just felt like I could use my really dorky strengths in accounting and finance and compliance because I really like that work um, and help those groups. And they need a lot of help with that work. So I feel lucky that I kind of, you know, fell into it in a little bit of a way um, with my business partner. So that's great. Yeah. Well, let's we're going to we're going to delve a little more into the progressives and progressive world because I think like I know for myself, I consider myself also to be a progressive. But I did want to backtrack just a bit. And and since it is one of the first podcasts for us of the new year that we talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions. Do you make them? Uh, I don't anymore. Um, anymore. I the used caveat. to. Yes. I used to be one of those, you know, big time start Weight Watchers on January 1. I've always worked out. Like that was never a place, but it was always sort of like the food piece that I would. So this has really been one of the past few years that I have not made uh, any resolutions. I, I'll make sort of goals for the year from my business mm-hmm. and, you know, things that like one of the things is I want to try to partake in more sustainable clothing and fashion Hmm. and those types of things. So I'm trying to be things that I kind of want to be more cognizant of and be more thoughtful around, but nothing that's like, I need to drastically change because it's just not going to happen. It doesn't happen. You you know, know? you know, your you know, your reality and the reality of 99% of the population. Right. I want to be, I want to be realistic and, you know, work on some things that are actually more interesting to me than, you know, some of the sort of typical New Year's resolution. So, so Jen? Yeah. So this year, my resolution was to eat donuts as often <laughs> as possible. You've, and I'm, you've only, succeeded. I'm only partly joking because every year I've done the whole 30 thing. Mm-hmm. I've done paleo. You know, I've been uber conscious of clean eating. And I feel like I got to a point a couple of years ago where it was doing the opposite for me and mm-hmm. wearing me down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I had all of this just negative stuff that I had to sort through. And so what I tried to do instead of just binging and being crazy all November and December, Mm -hmm. I tried to embrace a more open, healthy, positive perspective about food and just enjoy what I was going to eat, not feel guilt and shame over it, Mm -hmm. you know, like eat healthy. Mm -hmm. Like today I went to get burgers with my kids, which I love. I absolutely love. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of feel like a salad, oddly. So I'm going to make a salad and eat it because I want to eat it. But then I really want a donut, so I'm going to eat a donut and just enjoy that and enjoy food. And so for some reason this year, too, I decided I'm not doing resolutions. Um, Instead, I have the same idea about goals. And my husband and Mm -hmm. I have been talking through this list of questions and, you know, just trying to think, like, what fulfilled us and filled us last year? And how do we carry that into the new year? And the thing that we kind of touched on was people, relationships, Mm -hmm. focusing on those things um, and just self-care. Yeah. So if that means I'm going to eat a maple bacon donut for my mm, self-care, donut. I'm totally going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, How about uh, you? I Well, I, I do want to say one thing and then I will launch into my, my New Year's thing. But um, um, you said paleo. And I, I love the argument for paleo. And I, you guys can write in until the cows come home. Get it? Cows, paleo. Um, <laughs> but um, one thing I hate is that people, people tout like, first off, anything that's restrictive in nature other than restricting 
sugar and fat and things like that, mm-hmm. you're, it's, you're going to fail and your body's going to feel horrible. Like restricting car, like re- restricting essential things, you know, like you can't even restrict too much fat. You can't, resi- you can't restrict, you know, so I, I'm just not a proponent for any of them. But the paleo argument I love is they're like, well, uh, the, you eat the way that cavemen ate because there was no blood, there was no heart disease then. Okay, first off, you don't know if there was heart disease then. Right. And secondly, they died when they were like 20. Exactly. Right. You know, so I was going to say, with a lifespan of 28 years old, right? right. So like, like, yeah, yeah, we, we certainly live longer. And living longer means that your body dies as you go. It breaks down. Mm-hmm. You're going to get heart disease, even if you lived a fantastic life, probably at some point, because your whole body, you're an organism, you're just breaking you down. Just break well, down. now I'm depressed. Yeah. But, Thanks. But it's the paleo <laughs> thing, though. It's a thing of, like, people saying, you know, that that's, because the idea is, like, that's the way that the caveman ate. Like, well, you know, when you're chasing down a woolly mammoth for lunch, we'll talk. Yeah, But exactly. if you're chasing down Burger King, really, exactly. that's not, that's not, you know. That's, like, what, that's what I always say about paleo, too. It's just, like, I mean, I, I think that there were some sort of grains at that time, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, those have been on Earth for a long yeah. time, yeah. Um, but was H- Hence ancient Mac. grains. Right, <laughs> ancient grains but like you know uh, was a Big Mac around like I'm not slamming McDonald's right Right, I'm not slamming any kind of food but it's just like there's just it just doesn't make sense to me I I I, I want a Big Mac now but I get the I get the I get the omission of of processed foods like yeah you you know you just go back to actually whole foods eating well things like that Mm -hmm. and I also subscribe to that anyway I just the the paleo thing makes me it makes me laugh you know like like, the bulletproof coffee they're like no if you have a stick of butter every morning and just coffee you'll lose weight (laughs) your heart will explode but you'll totally lose weight dead like what well let me ask you this too like going into a new year with resolutions aren't resolutions often you know sort of like a response to intense shame and feeling absolutely and so why go through this back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and not just just embrace maybe more whole intelligent living mm-hmm. and absolutely you, you hit the you both hit the nail on the head and so my resolution is the same much more self-care mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and self-care will then involve exercising i don't exercise to look a specific way i'd like to i'm not gonna lie it isn't like i'm like i put in 15 hours at the gym so i could be slightly overweight <laughs> Um, but uh, that isn't the point. The point is, is like I haven't been able to work out for the last few weeks being sick and mm-hmm. I was able to hit the gym really hard yesterday and I felt, you know, I was telling Jen, we met yesterday. I'm like, I just feel like a different person. I feel, I have mental clarity. Mm-hmm. I feel more energized. I sleep better. I just, it just works for me. It may sure. not work for everybody. I'm fine with that. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not at all what I'm saying, but so mine is self care and, um, I did make some sort of, um, not resolutions, but definitely some commitments of, you know, I wanted to read two books a month and mm-hmm. things like that. So yep. I just wanted to, like, get better all the way around, be a better thinker, better, you know, live right. my life a little better. Yeah. So. Yeah, completely. So the – we touched a little bit on your, on your why, you know, of why you went into – Working with nonprofits and more progressive community because that is where your politics lie. Mm-hmm. But um, Jen and I were sort of into a discussion yesterday talking about um, everything has two sides. Everything has a good and, and, and potentially a bad side to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I've lived in Ferndale for 18 years. And if anybody spends five seconds on the Ferndale Forum or the Fabulous Ferndale Forum, you will see how having an opinion is a bad idea. <laughs> and um, and um, you will be um, chased out of town with torches if you have a really differing idea than, than the populace. Mm-hmm. So 
that's sort of something that I was curious about, like your thoughts on that, uh, of of how extreme we're getting in our society, even with a very well-intended um, moniker-like progressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think, I mean, with the divisiveness that is in our politics right now, I think that people are kind of clinging to one side or the other in a lot of ways. And sort of the moderate piece is not really... I mean, I think those people are still there, but I think that a lot there's a, sort of a lostness that's happening with those groups of people that might feel some connections on either side, right? So I do see, um, you know, in the progressive movement, uh, some of that going on as far as not accepting anything that's not from sort of these strict sort of ideals of the progressive movement. And something else that I see, you know, working with a lot of these groups in the way that I do, being sort of like the finance compliance side, I see kind of a lot of the nitty gritty details, right, and get into a lot of the the different, sometimes tough stuff with groups, um, is also just interestingly a lot of acceptance of sort of really bad behavior. uh, you know, whether it's embezzling money, whether it's some egregious HR thing, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that you're like, Ugh, this would not fly in a corporate world. And so sometimes that's some, it's something my business partner and I talk a lot about and something that we talk to our clients that, you know, it's okay to fire someone that hasn't shown up for work for two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay to fire someone mm-hmm. that has sent an inappropriate photo to another client or right. to kind of get that all. And these are the kind, sometimes these are kind of the conversations we have to have in our, in our movement is that there's just, there's an acceptance sometimes of just so it's it's interesting that there's like this gripping of ideals that and then sometimes it doesn't play out in that way even in the right. in these organizations so that's something that you know we again see working in the spaces that we do um, and something we'd really try to call out and identify. Um, and in a way, us coming in as consultants um, can be helpful for groups because sometimes when you're in the middle of something and it's a friend of yours or someone that you've worked with over the years and organized with at different organizations, you don't want to push them out of an organization or you know mm-hmm. do something. So sometimes it can be helpful for us to be sort of that third party or that voice, but it can take some time for sure. I see it with a lot of groups and a lot of my clients. Yeah. So what you're saying is human beings can be hypocritical and oh, make mistakes. Absolutely. And it's that way across the board, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting because I feel like it's so important to deal with integrity and mm-hmm. issues of integrity, specifically if you're in a movement that is aimed toward shifting culture or doing something to improve a community. Mm-hmm. You will fall if you lack integrity. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to go in and speak to that, I think, is is above and beyond just a financial service. Sure. Right. Yeah. I really feel like my work, I mean, like I said, I was an accountant, CPA. I love numbers. Right. But I've really turned into more of a consult. You know, I'm really sometimes an accounting therapist. Sometimes I call myself sure. that where you know, I've had people crying. I've had people because, of course, even finances on their own can be extremely stressful for people. Um, and, you know, I feel privilege that I can help people through some of those things because most almost all these things we can work through. 
Um, and so, but yeah, that's my, my work. It was kind of a big transition for me coming from being, I was a finance director at a nonprofit. It was a progressive nonprofit before this. So I was in charge of all the finance and HR of the, of the organization and then coming into this. And I remember the first time someone was crying in front of me and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> what, what? you know, not that I don't know how to handle someone crying, but I was just like, I don't know this person. What do I do? Does she need a hug? Right. I didn't really know how to respond. Like you grab a, you grab let, a broom and look- on the back. Let's look at the QuickBooks. <laughs> Let's look at your QuickBook, right? Like, you know, so it was kind of an interesting time. And I'm still sort of learning and getting, and that's something I also, I really learned from working with my business partner um, because she has been doing this work um, a lot longer than me from the consulting side. She, I think this is her 13th or 14th year. So I learn a lot from her on how to sort of like continually deal with the human aspect of all of this, which mm-hmm. is clearly going to be there. Yeah, I mean, there's so much emotion tied to money that, I mean, mar- marriages end over money. And, mm-hmm. and so it's the number one reason for divorce, actually. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, interesting, the number uh, number one reason for uh, a few of my friends that are therapists, the number one reason that couples are in for couples counseling. Mm-hmm. What's your guess? It's not money. Communication? Close. <laughs> of course, communication. I know. What's, I'm what's, like, your, what's your guess, Jen? I was going to say money. Facebook. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh, guys, this is good. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So it's it's Facebook it, drama. Like, well, it's not even that. So it's basically um, people finding ex boyfriends or girlfriends and having emotional affairs because they're suddenly mm. going back to when they were when they were limitless, mm. when they were immortal, when they were in high school, Ooh. and they go back to that Deep. feeling of being euphoric Ooh. and 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 that new thing, and then it it starts stealing communication from the relationship, which is why I said you were kind of close. Yeah. But yeah, wow. that's that's, that's uh, uh, um, some of my therapist friends say that that's the number one reason is social media. Wow, it, it drives quite quite a rift, and that's why you see a lot of couples that have couple accounts, and um, mm-hmm. and people always joke about it. They're like, "Get your own account," you know, like oh, make jokes about it. But it's like, yeah, so, I actually used to think that was so weird, but now it's putting a. You're like, no, I'm married. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm only been married a little over a year, so I'm keeping my own Facebook account. Right, <laughs> right. but but I can see. But I understand. Yeah. Like, I can see that if it's. A if you're problem. struggling, yeah. Right. It's okay to struggle. It's okay. Yeah, to, yeah. it's okay to struggle yeah. and to come up with a response. Yes, you have to check my own Facebook couple judgment on that. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely. I do know some couples that have one. Yeah. And I know one or the other had s- some sort of issues. Yeah. And they're lovely people. Mm-hmm. But I love that they're they're saying, you know what? I, I keep messing this up and I, and I want to be accountable to you and to this marriage. This, so let's 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 just keep it all work. above board. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's great. Yeah, that works. Yeah, I think it's great. I did want to backtrack a little bit, though, when you were saying that um, in these in these scenarios, they don't um, they don't hold uh, their own employees and, and staff accountable. They, they let a lot of stuff slide. Yeah. Do you think that that is because of a possible we have we sort of seem to have this culture of the end justifies the means. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're the good guy, it doesn't matter how, like, look at, like, mm. DC Comics and, you know, Batman and things like that. Like, you can murder 18,000 people while you're trying to catch the villain because the end justifies the means. Yeah. It's fake, but it's an interesting message. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I never, I, I, I just thought it was, you know, just around sort of the community being relatively small. Um, you know, overall, I mean, I, I work with a lot of people I've known in different capacities over the years, right? And a lot of really great people. Um, but I just, I was kind of 
thinking of it from that perspective. I do think there might be a shift happening sort of as especially with some of the stuff that's happening around sort of Me Too and the Time's Up and all those different movements now that it's not especially some of those some of the like sexual harassment and things like that aren't as swept under the rug, um, you know, but that that's taken some time even in in the progressive movement, which you would expect it mm-hmm. to be the opposite. But that's also interesting, too. I never really thought of it like that. I just thought of it as like the community being so small. It's like and maybe mm-hmm. that is part of it. It's like we have to stick together because this is the group that's fighting for justice. And right? I'll just say one, you know, and, and mm-hmm. the case in point is, is, you know, Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know it's suppression of you know we're the good guys mm-hmm. and this probably isn't happening everywhere so let's just protect our own let's just move them to you know they're talking about I was an NPR they're talking about Jesuits and and they were moving them you know um from place to place that mm-hmm. were having uh, you know uh, sexual sex abuse uh, allegations and things right. but not rehabbing and said you know like oh yeah we have people following up with them daily and everything and they never had been followed up with ever mm-hmm. and so i think it is sort of this the syndrome and i think that that's i made the joke about ferndale forum which is to be clear full of lovely people but mm-hmm. like every once in a while man, it just goes oh, sideways it- it but blows up. <laughs> I think I think that the theory is that the good guy gets a little more leeway than the mm-hmm. bad guy. And I'm doing the air quotes. Is, so I, I think it's an interesting case in point of like if you're the bad if, if you're on the bad guy side, you have to be wiped off the face of the earth. And if you're on the good guy side, well, he does a lot of good. And right. We caught him on audio saying this, that or the other. Right. Or there's some, yeah, some other HR. Or there was embezzling of money. That's always my favorite one. <laughs> there's embezzling of money, and people are just like, "Well, he doesn't make that much money," and I'm just like, "What? Like that is completely like this is unacceptable," you know? Yeah. I mean, this is uh, just anyway. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think, Jenna? Do you think? Do you yeah. think it's it's that 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 is the case? Yeah, and and just to talk about so so within the context though of the work that I do, one of the things that I really set out to do is bring people together to have conversations because I believe that within the the context of safe dialogue, mm-hmm. people can begin to, you know, learn, grow, hear each other more. Mm-hmm. Um and that's a really messy process. Sure. So for me, and I've done this for a long time and in other scenarios as well, I used to host dinner parties on Uh, political topics that were really hot topics. And the entire goal was to actually bring people together with differing opinions. My goal has always been to say, we share more in common Mm -hmm. than we realize. And if we can get down to that, and we can start to sort of dissect that, discuss that, and then put down our defenses and listen to one another, we might actually learn we agree more, we might change minds, we might soften hearts, like all of these things. One of my biggest challenges and frustrations, though, is this very thing that we're talking about. And it's interesting because I was telling you guys about this before we started the show, but somebody sent me some clip of a guy on a talk show talking to somebody who wrote a book. I know this is really horrible leading because I don't know who these people so are. So much detail. Right, I know. But but so so this guy was a professor and he was talking about something called the call-out culture, which I have not heard of. And I mean, I'll admit I'm 41. I didn't grow up in social media. Mm-hmm. But what he was saying is that because you have this generation of people who have grown up in social media doing things for reactions. So they do things at... 
you know, the the high of likes or follows or loves on Instagram or whatever platform they're on. And so we've developed this tendency toward calling people out instead of actually pulling them aside with the intention of, you know, building bridges Mm -hmm. and really having conversations and creating change. Mm -hmm. And so one of my biggest frustrations, actually, in the work that I do are um, people that I've coined as like white liberal woke folk who 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 Ugh, think that I they're hate that woke. Word, by the I know. Way. And Ugh. that's why I use it a little bit. Because, you know, like people who consider themselves beyond just ally in their understanding of things, but then what they do is they get stuck and they get arrogant. And they're really difficult because they add enough to the conversation that they shame people and they make them feel bad. Mm-hmm. And then they crawl further into their hole and right. stop engaging. And I'm sitting there going, no, 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 no. We need to engage. I don't want my friend over here to have to engage this person, but I feel like it's my role to do that. And mm-hmm. so it's really frustrating to me because I see this thing going on where instead of learning and growing mm-hmm. and conversing, instead we're digging deeper and going farther into these ideological caves. Mm-hmm. But what's benefiting? Right. And and that's my thing. It's like you might be 100% correct in your ideology, but if you're not doing anything other than self-protecting and you're not doing anything to move the conversation forward and, you know, like what's what's the point? Right. And you and I, Julie, spoke a little bit about um, even you trying to do some sort of conversation about politics with even family members mm-hmm. and the in trying to to sort of you know reconcile an approach that is I thought that was very um um very good and and a, a great approach that you were just describing like trying to have the hard conversations right yeah i mean you know my sister and i are both very progressive and my parents um are both Republicans, right? So they have been lifelong Republicans. They're lovely, wonderful people. They're tolerant people. They're loving people. And they're great. But we do have that sort of, you know, and so sometimes we when we talk about it, it does get heated, right? And we had a it, an instance of it getting a little bit heated. Um, and it's okay. I mean, we're everyone's okay with it. Um, because I've definitely seen it where it's actually torn families apart. And I mean, I even remember after, um, you know, Trump was elected, and I know I was personally devastated when Trump was elected. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember seeing, you know, things in progressive Facebook groups and different things where they were like, cut out your family that voted for Trump. That's crazy. Cut out your family, cut out your friends. And I'm just like, that is insane. Mm-hmm. I can't. Uh, is that that's the answer? Mm-hmm. And like you said, so I really appreciate you doing what you're doing and sort of making those building those bridges, because I truly believe that we all have so much more in common than we don't. And even when we don't agree on something, we can still clearly coexist. Right. We all have the same. We all love family and friends and good food and mm-hmm. drink. You know, there's a lot and that spans the globe. Right. That is right. something that all people can kind of get behind the humanity of just being human, right? And and you're right. I mean, we dig into these different corners. When I saw that in the progressive, I mean, it was 
devastating to me mm-hmm. to see that in so many different spaces. And I ended up talking to a couple of my friends about it, and they were just like, it's insane. But nobody was out there saying it was insane at that time. Mm-hmm. And I know I wasn't either because I was just like shocked, right, from everything that was going yeah. on. But So I, I was just as guilty as not saying anything. But it was just like that was the narrative. And a lot of the different Facebook groups, a lot of social media was just like, cut off your family. Don't go to Thanksgiving, all this stuff. And I'm just like, that's insane to me. That is insane. Well, such hard lines were drawn. And one of like I lived abroad um, right before the election and I came back, I believe, three weeks before the election. And I noticed nobody would talk. And I would go on because I was so curious, like, how are conservatives voting for Donald Trump? And, because I he's saw not you a posting that, too. I was like, Ooh. you know, and like, <laughs> I, I mean, absolutely not a conservative. But I'd lived outside of the country for a good year. And mm. I was largely removed from a lot of the stuff that was going on here. And I remember being very concerned mm-hmm. a- about the silence from people. And so that's. The, and the thing is, that very shaming and silencing and preventing conversations is precisely what got him elected. Mm-hmm. And so we can't uh, we, can't we can't pretend that. that that's not impacting things. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. It, you know, it's not this you're good, you're bad. Right. I mean, some people listening may think that that is the case sure. and they're they're thought processes, um, I would argue, reductive in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I understand it. And yet, I don't think it's going to solve anything. It's not going to get us anywhere. No. You know, it's just going to dig it in deeper and we'll just be more divisive. And Well, because right. yeah. everyone in, everyone enjoys, apparently, in some way, and I'm, and I'm including myself, uh, the us versus them, is that you, you have this thing of like, I've figured it out. And but what what I figured it out means for me and probably a lot of other people is I don't have to be vulnerable to you. Mm-hmm. I, I've shored up my fortress. Right. I put up my walls. I know what's going on, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I, I've the old hippie saying like, I know what's going on, man. Like <laughs> I've, I've figured it out for mm-hmm. myself. It may not be right for you, but I figured it out for myself and I will fire over this moat artillery if i have to to prove that you're wrong and i'm right and to protect my safety Mm -hmm. so i think it is it is an act of vulnerability to just even for you to come on a podcast like this and talk about this Mm -hmm. but vulnerability is when we start realizing oh there's only one collective we right we're all attached we're all we all are are this one body that has to care for each other and i don't want to care some nights for my relative that tells me how the reason he voted for Trump is he's going to keep us safe. I, I know that that is a ridiculous argument and it makes me want to punch him in the eye, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's not a bad guy. You know, right. like I don't like it. it so it's, it, but the other thing too, is I think that people have a difficult time reconciling that we're giant contradictions. And I think that's scary for people. It, it definitely like messes me up where I'm just like, you know, I should like this, this and this. I just don't like I like what I like and you like what you like. Exactly. And Jen likes what she likes. So, right. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, I think that's interesting, too. I mean, I think that the vulnerability part I can really see and is sort of tied to the contradictions piece because mm-hmm. people do, I think, 
identify, especially now, as being sort of on one side or the other and, you know, and and making those connections and reaching out. I mean, it was interesting after Trump was elected, you know, of course, everybody was posting on social media, right? It was everyone was blowing stuff up. You know, it was just everybody was freaking out, right? When I say, I shouldn't say blowing stuff up, I say like blowing up social media, right? right. right? Let's be clear. Let's be clear, (laughs) like in a virtual way. We're not burning Nikes We're not like burning down things. Um, I was eating a lot of Tums, though. I'm not lying either. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I stayed mean, up all I night and was eating an acids. <laughs> I drank a, a bottle of wine. I drank a bottle of celebratory champagne that I bought. I just, like, drank the whole thing. How did this happen? So, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was rough. Like, for sure. I was crying. <laughs> like, it was, yeah. So I'm not going to say, but, I mean, I made the the decision to sort of step back from active posting, you know, mm-hmm. on social media, just to sort of listen. To all sides. Oh my God, I like, love I you. Just You're decided, coming on our show every week. I just, That's just I made that. And I mean, for me specifically, I was like, I really want to listen to where people of color are in this country now because I felt like I was did not realize how bad it was. I think when, you know, after he was elected and then there was like the Muslim ban and all these things happened, I was like, you are completely in your like white lady mode and you need to step back and listen to your friends of color, writers of color to really start thinking about what gr- these different groups are saying and where their experiences are. And then I also was listening to somewhat the other side. I mean, I know that there's some craziness out there and I know I'm mm-hmm. speaking from progressive view, right? But, so yeah, but opinion. not everyone that votes for somebody you don't like is crazy. Crazy, yeah, right. I mean, but you look, there's some stuff out there that can be crazy to me, mm-hmm. but it's just like, but trying to, you know, listen out there and, and even, you know, having conversations with other family members too around the same issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had a conversation recently with, with a family member um, that thought I was anti-veterans being progressive and Mm -hmm. i was like what (laughs) like are you kidding me right so we had this whole conversation about it and he was really kind and it really was eye-opening to him from the perspective of sort of like where his kind of view is Mm -hmm. versus what sort of reality is for me as a progressive and of course i'm not speaking for all progressives but of course i you know I, it was something I was like, I can't, I can't believe that that's what you think. So, again, having those conversations. But, yeah, after it was, he was elected, I really was like, I want to just step back and I just need to listen for a while. And I'm a talker. I'm an extrovert. I love talking. So it was extra hard, right? Because I, I wanted to do that. I had that. I wanted to post. I wanted. But I was like, no, step back. That's wonderful wisdom, too. And, and that's the thing is, like, you, you had this great wisdom about you to not buy into – uh, you, know, you and I, uh, uh, Julie and I work in the same office uh, space, and we had talked at one point about how we have this culture where everybody feels they have to be the expert mm-hmm. and they have to have all the answers or they will be shamed to not have the answers. Mm-hmm. And you didn't buy into that. You were like, you know what? No, I don't have. There's a lot of answers I don't have yeah. for sure. And I want to learn. Right. And I want to help build that community build those bridges right? but I, I think the intention's good in a lot of in a lot of those situations though where like your passion takes over mm-hmm. and you feel sure. strong and you're just like yes. I, I want to defend because because you know Absolutely. you have to be clear on the fact that Trump is not a Republican nor a Democrat. He's a crazy person in office. But you know what I mean? Because there's, there's many Republican. I'm not a Republican. I'm I'm definitely more progressive, but I there's Republicans that you know that that were in a sense, benign, comparatively speaking, like nobody's benign in that office, of course. Right. But I remember um, standing in my kitchen not, not too long after and saying to my husband, which are words that would never be uttered out of my mouth ever. God, I miss Bush. 
I miss him so much. He's just like throwing up on you know at Japanese dinners and and bashing his head on a table, eating a cracker or a pretzel or whatever it was. You're like come back from doing your paintings, come back. I mean, you but know. he was pretty crazy too. I mean, that was like one of the reasons I got into politics. Yeah. Like I he did nutty like, stuff. Absolutely, he did. yeah. I mean, so yeah, destructive but I agree. nutty stuff. But it's like yeah. it's now we have a different bar, right? Yeah. That is makes things different things relative. We we've right? thrown the bar into the ocean. Absolutely. There's no bar. It's There's just no bar. <laughs> it's just a muck it's a of crap. Completely free for all hot mess. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah, it is absolute insanity. But uh yeah, so that is that is really interesting. And, and I mean what what is your what is your stance on it, Jenna? Talking about the vulnerability piece and and kind of going back to that She's getting ready. Vulnerability. No, I'm like, I'm in the ocean with you're, Mike. You're, 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 you're somewhere and else like, now. imagining Putin shirtless. <laughs> sorry. Like, yeah, so squirrel. am I. I'm horribly sorry. I know, right? Yeah, I'm really sorry. You guys took me somewhere you know else what? here. Let's just go down that road. Let's have this meaningful let's, conversation no. about vulnerability No, let's here. psychologically then, analyze why you're picturing Putin shirtless. Um, On a horse, maybe? something the other day that was really good how people crave like it's like a safety yeah that they're looking certainty for. yeah yeah so so when you said the other day that people crave certainty and that sort of creates this bubble in a sense and mm-hmm. it really what it ends up doing is it isolates and alienates and i think that's kind of the core of what we're speaking to right now is as we pursue certain things that we see as safe or good or ideal or right, what we end up doing sometimes is alienating ourselves or isolating. And then how does that impact culture on a whole? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what I'm interested in is figuring out what is closing us off to one another and how can we open those things back up? So vulnerability is a huge key in that. But you don't just get vulnerable. Like people can't, um, people can't expect vulnerability from others, right? Mm-mm, because, no. you know, it's not something that, that can just be given. And yet at the same time, I wonder if it's one of those things that for each individual, like for myself, am I living a better life when I am vulnerable? I think the answer is yes. And I, I think part of it too is that when you start isolating they, you know, there's there's million, you know, I mean, hundreds of thousands of studies on how isolation makes you depressed. It makes you less happy, less fulfilled. And so it is like a, an actual real isolation. It's not just metaphoric. Your walls are getting smaller. Your ideologies are getting smaller. The idea is, is that once you put up that wall, nothing's going out or in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's interesting that you say that because they say that as we grow more connected through social media platforms, we actually have greater um, sense of loneliness Correct. and isolation. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if an element that hasn't been really brought into that conversation is, in fact, the way social media tends to allow us to reside in our camps yes. and in our comforts. And it tailor makes our feeds based on what we like and, you know, what they know of yeah. us. It's a big Absolutely. part of it, but also it's the part of you, man, you show an ounce of vulnerability on social media. Oh. You, you better armor up. 
Because, I mean, it, it is um, where ugly people go to be mean to people. The proof is in the pudding, so to speak, is that if you're in a space where you're, you're not only not allowed to be vulnerable, but you have to be defensive, that doesn't foster community. Absolutely not. Yeah. And even in social media, I think, can be a hard place to really be vulnerable in general, right? Period. I mean, yeah. it's just how it can get shared so quickly. Mm. You know, there's just... I also did not grow up in social media time. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll be 40 this year and I'm so grateful, to be honest. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think of all how quickly stuff moves now, you know, it's just it can be pretty scary. And it's a joke that all all the dumb stuff I did, you know, wasn't put on social media because it wasn't it didn't exist. Exactly. Thank goodness. Thankfully. Yes. I mean, my God. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We're all just thinking back in horror and cringing it. You know, Absolutely. Bad hair, bad clothes, dumb decisions. Bad decisions. And, and I heard like someone things. say, like, oh, kids today are so much worse than they were when we were kids. No, it's just, we just didn't have it social media. I, I remember being 22 and being that same jerk. Right. I was literally that idiot. Exactly. You know? Like, I know. You see it. I was. I know. You can totally see it. The same kid. Same narcissist, say, making the same dumb decisions. Everything was about me. You know, I, I said dumb things. I thought dumb things. I was insensitive. I was that, you know, like. Of course. Yeah, we all have been, right? At different Speak times. for yourselves. Yeah, you were an angel, I know. <laughs> right. But it is, like, very it's interesting because you you live, you seem to work your philosophy that you do of your life. If you, if you put together the fact that you lean back and really was paying attention to listen that's a great part about your job. Yeah. And, and and to maintain that integrity in your job and really as much as you possibly can insist that upon the people you work for. Right. Absolutely. Is is very telling of who you are. Yeah. It's really that's been really invaluable in the work for sure. And also, I mean, a lot of times when you're thinking of when I come into, you know, a small social justice organization, right, where it's a bunch of organizers, sometimes it's a lot of people of color, and I'm coming in there, right? And sometimes there can be sort of like this weird trust, like, Mm -hmm. who's this weird finance lady? Uh, You know, IRS, auditors, I don't want to think about any of this stuff, right? So I think having that ability to kind of stand back and listen and sort of have the, give people the space to sort of share, and even some of the goofy fun stuff we do helps set the tone, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, in almost in any case, I feel like if we walked into a place and it feels like we're and we are just coming in new, you know, people don't know who we are. Bring, bringing that element to it helps kind of break down those barriers that people are automatically like, I don't want you to see my budget because it's really messy or, you know, this and that. Right. Yeah. Or we don't know what we're doing. We don't know. It's There's the equivalent like, of going through their underwear drawer. Exactly. <laughs> it is exactly yeah. going through their mm-hmm. financial QuickBooks yeah. underwear drawer for sure. And so that has helped. I think set set a tone and then sort of to your points around just sort of social media one other thing I've really noticed in the work that's been really helpful is doing things in person I mean that's Mm -hmm. why we kind of we travel a lot which can be you know a lot of work, but we really work with our clients when we're, you know, getting together a group. That's al- almost always a part of the work that we do is an in-person training because you cannot beat that. I can do webinars all day. I can talk on the phone and some of them do land like that. And that's totally fine. I know it's expensive and, you know, obviously sometimes budgets, so you got to watch budgets and all that good stuff. But having those in-person meetings to me are priceless and sort of connecting with people um, and really being able to reach out and help them in the work. And I think you're reminding people 
of the human element that's necessary because right. I, I, uh, I have a lot of the majority of my friends would rather you text than call. Right. And those are the ones I make sure I call. Mm-hmm. I just like purposely freak them out throughout the day. Yeah. But I'm not a like I'm a text if we have, if you have to answer a question or two. Otherwise, we're talking because I want to I want to know when you say you're OK, that you're really OK. Mm-hmm. I want to hear the inflection, the tone in your voice. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to make you laugh. I want to be able. So I, I love that you keep instilling um, this important and almost old world Oh, character yeah. to what you do and I think I think it's going to keep you guys trustworthy and in business for a long time. Thanks. We hope so. so. We love it. Are you guys currently accepting more clients? Uh, we are accepting clients. Um, you know, we're pretty booked up, so but we do have some room later this year for some additional clients. So you can check us out. Um, we have a new website that Ooh. I need to figure out how to use. That's <laughs> on my that's one of my goals for, for the first quarter. Uh funwithfinancials.net is and we're on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn as nice. well. So you can check us out. Um, and uh, and be sure to sign up for our email list because we will be doing more webinars. And I know I said that, but it, I, you know we are we do realize that some folks um, that is a way to connect and get some basic information out to folks. So we'll be doing some more webinars, more blog posts this year, and so have some more more content out. So please check us out online. Awesome! Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Thank you for listening to what won't we say. 